This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-oh. It's been a while. I remembered those words. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm your host. Uh, I'm here sitting live in person at a at a physical table in front of my co-host, who is in the same physical space as me at this moment. It's Kristen Stuttered. Hi, Kristen. Hello. The air is alive. The energy is just off the charts. We're back palpable i mean we're we're like in you, quotes yeah back. you you asked for it you that being is the a truth. couple of people that is that is the 100 percent truth so i know kristen and i have had similar experiences where we've received text messages dms people i've seen in person people i've seen in person have strangers have all said how about this yon winner thing you guys gonna talk about it and people online are like, can't wait for the Rock Hall Pod to come back to do a Yawn Winner episode because they got to talk about it. So true. It truly, uh, you guys asked for it. So here we are. <laughs> we were. I was having a damn blast not doing this show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I understand that people would like to... Uh, Hear what we have to say, and I do think, especially given that there, what happened here with Jan, it connects, and the rock hall itself is involved. So I, I do have a, a lot to say about that. Um, but you know, before we get into that, Kristen, I have an album coming out. Oh yeah, <laughs> this Friday. Well, this is a promo. This is this is the real reason Joe has agreed to come out of. Uh, to to pick up the mic again. I mean, why not? I yeah. mean, it's good timing. I have an album of sketches and funny songs. It's called Funny Songs and Sketches. It is being released this Friday, the 29th of September. Uh, I would love it. If, if you guys like hearing my voice, uh, because you listen to this podcast, you might enjoy hearing my voice doing uh, silly voices. <laughs> Joe does some silly impressions. If you enjoyed little Steven's appearance on our <laughs> live, our live show. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's something I've worked uh, very hard on for a while and, uh, I would love it if people could check it out. And if you are in the LA area on Thursday, September 28th at dynasty typewriter, I will be doing a live album show. We'll be playing the songs live. We will have some special guests, uh, doing all sorts of stuff. Paul Walter Hauser from, uh, he plays Jeff Galuli on I, Tanya, and, uh, he's in, he's Richard Jewell from Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell. Very, uh, funny actor is going to be involved in Cruella. He's one of the two, uh, her two henchmen. Oh, that guy. He's great. Yeah, so we're excited about that. We have some uh, we have some cool musicians who are going to be on uh, Yusu Kim, who if listeners of our <gasps> show Kim. know. Thank you to Yusu Kim for he, the music. He's the composer of our music. He helped to compose 
uh, all of the music on the album, and he will be flying in from Chicago to do the show. So very excited about that. Uh, hope to see you there. The ticket prices go up day of, so if you're hearing this, uh, grab them now, and you'll you'll get a little bit of a discount. Get yourself a little bit of a discount. Get yourself a lot of a fun time. Thank you so much. Couldn't have said it better. All right. So let's let's why why are we talking about this? We'll kind of start there for the listener who maybe doesn't know. Like why we why why Jan Winter? This has been a pretty big story. But um, in case you haven't heard, there was an interview in the New York Times with Jan Winter uh, that a writer named David Marchese conducted. It was uh, published on September 15th of this year, 2023. It occurred because Jan has a new book out called The Masters. It is a compilation of Jan's own interviews that he conducted over his many years at Rolling Stone. Uh, Those so-called masters are Bono, Bob Dylan, Jerry Garcia, Mick Jagger, John Lennon, Pete Townsend, and there's a new interview with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Those are all white guys. And I, I did look it up. Jerry Garcia's father is Spanish, which means oh. he is of European descent. So he is indeed white as well. Wow. Uh, and I'm making a point to say this because it is important to what we will get into later. Uh, but first, I wanted to talk a little bit about Rolling Stone and Jan Wenner just to kind of get some context before we get into what happened here for people who don't uh, know Wenner and Rolling Stone and why this is or like, people such a big who deal. like know things but maybe notoriously don't remember them. Sure. Like, I'm doing it for the audience. <laughs> Definitely not the person yeah, in front of me. Certainly. Who I know read a biography. I did of read Jan a bi- I'm sitting here going, was the name of it Sticky Fingers? Sticky Fingers. Okay, yes. good. All right. <laughs> and if people really want to do a deep dive on Jan Wenner, that is a great resource. Uh, it's by an author named Joe Hagen. And you know it's great because he was given access by Jan to do an authorized biography. And what he wrote was the truth. And then Jan Wenner got mad and retracted the authorization. So I think you know then then that is the real deal. Well, and I feel like that's... He just really walks right into these things. Just yeah. eyes wide open, just just steps right into the bear pit for no reason. <laughs> no. Like he could have not. And he There's just a, yeah. is like, no, it's very important that I say the dumbest, worst things that I've ever thought. He is, uh, yeah, he, he does not give a fuck. It um, is. But let's talk about Young Winner, co-founder, okay. um, and for decades, editor, executive of Rolling Stone magazine. And, you know, we've talked to people on the show. We hear from all sorts of people who like to be uh, dismissive or angry at Rolling Stone and try to act kind of defiantly uh, like Rolling Stone. Nobody cares about Rolling Stone. It's always sucked. And the thing is, and why this is worth discussing is that Rolling Stone is important. Well, it's also the same... Oh, boy, I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's the same as The Hall. It's like... Very, very closely linked. They're very closely linked, but also that same kind of idea comes around as well, of like, Mm -hmm. who cares about The Rock Hall? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty good show title. Uh, Like, who cares about it? Nobody cares. It's, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. But it is if you are looking for something to point to Mm -hmm. as an authority on what is and isn't canon or what is or isn't, et cetera, you look to the Rock Hall in kind of the grand legacy portion and you look to Rolling Stone to kind of make the 500 best albums list or do all that stuff. They are the, whether they're relevant or not, it it's like almost beyond the point. It's like it's transcended relevance. It is a cultural touchstone. Exactly. It's, I mean, it is, I I would say, arguably the most uh, important music publication of the rock era. It can make careers. It can change careers. It's just, especially. always kind of a Kerrang gal, but okay, I guess. But I mean, like obviously in, in America, it's just, you get on the cover of Rolling Stone, it, it, especially during the heyday of, of rock and roll. It, mm-hmm. it really meant something. It was a, a tastemaker. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it, what it did, and especially with those lists, strongly contributes to the canon. Uh, you know, what artists and what works are considered essential, whose legacy is remembered, it is a really big part of that. So um, as much as people might want to say, you know, Rolling Stone, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It never mattered. It's always sucked. It's positioned in the culture. Both things can be true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's important yeah. because it is good. I'm just saying where it sits in the, uh, in the culture yeah. is you, you really can't argue it, which is why Jan... Uh, as the kind of guiding force of Rolling Stone uh, and someone who was not afraid to make his own preferences be the the word of Rolling Stone, which is why he as a figure at Rolling Stone was so, uh, what makes him important and powerful by design. Well, and I think that's why this... Uh interview too. I mean, I, again, I did listen to that biography of him, Mm -hmm. Sticky Fingers and such. And I was aware to some degree, I mean, I have, as I notoriously do, forgotten most of what I Mm -hmm. read, Mm -hmm. but it's your brain, your brain problem that we talk about occasionally. (laughs) It is mostly to do with this, anything about the the hall. Mm -hmm. But I think that I was reminded in this interview again of just how like openly uh like swayed he is like it, it, like partial he mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. how how it just doesn't he doesn't even like portend to be uh have journalistic objective. integrity yeah. to yeah right because that's that's part of like i would say two main takeaways and again you know read or listen to the audiobook of sticky fingers is a lot uh about Jan's psyche that the book gets into but one a uh, big thing is that he is a star fucker. Sycophant, yes. Yeah, you know, whichever uh, term <laughs> you choose to use. But his proximity to power and proximity to celebrity, and maybe even you could say like cool musicians, that is like what drives him. Uh, and, you know, that affected how he ran that magazine uh, in terms of journalistic integrity and, and fairness. Uh, which we will get into later. And then the second thing is that Jan's tastes musically align with artists who are like himself. And by that, I mean white and male. 
the coverage at the magazine and the tone of the coverage uh, was affected by this, his tastes, and also like who he was friends with. And, you know, this was at an important publication. Uh, a lot of stuff happened while he was at Rolling Stone that aren't really relevant for this discussion, but I will say that he did resign in it, from Rolling Stone in 2019. His son is now the chief executive, though. Oh, cool. So how far removed is he? Oh, my gosh. Really? Also, just there there couldn't be a more qualified guy. I mean, just he grew up couldn't. around it. He grew he up did. around it's it. It's in his blood. He understands. All right. So let's let's talk about now why. Wait. Uh, sorry. When we... he resigned in 2019, mm -hmm. was there any kind of like fanfare about that? Like yeah, To some degree. I mean, this was just a few, not long after the University of Virginia uh Oh, the article rape, about um, the rape that did not happen. Uh, yes. I'm sure. I mean, he was pretty much close to retirement age anyway, but I get the sense that was a huge blow to Rolling Stone. Not if you read this article. Yeah, he asks <laughs> he, the, he asked David Marchese for forgiveness. <laughs> and I he's mean, like, that's not for me to decide, man. Oh my God. Uh, and that's, that's a part of the he's interview. He's so defensive about it. He like really does not believe that he did anything wrong. No. He doesn't, he's literally like, could have happened to anybody. Mm -hmm. And, he's, and yeah. was there anything to learn? No. This it's, guy it's, sucks it's so crazy. bad. It, well, what's very interesting, too, about David... Sorry, I know we're skipping ahead into the article right. now, but, like, David Marchese, I think, is, like, a notoriously good interviewer that he gets people to say... Like, because I can't remember, Ross was telling me that he interviewed someone else that was just, like, he, he gets people to say... He's maybe just, disarming. Yes. Because I did not think... So we're going to get into talking about this interview specifically. I do not feel like this was a gotcha interview. No. At all. And I don't think David Marchese was attempting to do that. Um, but he is notorious for being able to just, again, like disarm people, like be a, a person who just people. You want to talk to maybe go yes. beyond what you're supposed to <laughs> say as a public figure. Um, yeah, he uh, and Jan also just has this really. Uh, I, I don't know what what is going on with that guy, but he's he's not hiding it anymore. By that, I mean the things that he has always secretly believed or like kind of believed yeah, that, that like knew. women aren't good at rock. And yeah. OK, uh, <laughs> so this I encourage everybody to read this interview. Um, you can also listen to it. It's available to be listened to. You do have to download the New York Times audio thing. I did not. Oh, I, it see, was, I tried to listen to it. It was. On the article oh, wait, oh, itself, I, there's the like a little version of this interview. You can just hit play and it's yeah, it's good. And they talk about a lot of stuff. They talk about how Jan is friends with all of these interview subjects mm -hmm. and how that affects the coverage. And w one crazy thing that like nobody's talking about because it, there, there's obvious poll quotes from this that are the controversial ones. But the fact that he lets the interview subjects yes. edit their own interviews is This is, is the part that wild. I really can't. There are many parts in this mm -hmm. interview that I cannot get over. Almost every portion of this interview, there's like different sections of it. There's the sections about the, uh, uni the University of Virginia article. There's the section about like what, what it's like, what his interview style is and what types of mm -hmm. interviews mm -hmm. 
he believes there are. Yes. And then there's all the like racist, sexist stuff that he says. Right. And I mean, the racist, sexist stuff is like sprinkled throughout, but it is. And then there's like the boomer um, defense. Yeah. Did did boomers make yeah. a difference? Then then there's like the boomer defense section. And each and every section has just like some mind blowing things that I not mind blowing, but I I can't believe a person would say this yeah. out loud yeah. in the paper of record at, at the New York times, at yes, the New York all times, places. the, the gray lady is listening mm-hmm. and she's mm-hmm. not forgetting. Uh, it is wild that someone would say this on record uh, just that, yeah. the, and he doesn't, that's the part that I think is so wild is that he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with what he's saying. He thinks this is very defensible. Yeah. All of it. He thinks he's right. I mean, he wouldn't say it to the yeah. to the damn gray lady if yep. uh, if he didn't. Um, but yeah, the the big um, portion of this that everybody's talking about yes. is Marchese brings up that all the interview subjects are white guys. Jan does not handle it well. He says uh, the big quote is he says. I guess and it's acknowledged in the book that he he says those art these artists are ones in his own zeitgeist and uh, the black artists are not part of his zeitgeist and then he says and this is the big quote insofar as the women just none of them were as articulate enough on this intellectual level which should uh, anyone's read of that should be obvious it is one of the more misogynist statements said publicly (laughs) from a person who is not you know known to be uh you know it's not somebody who has a a podcast about how uh men are better than women this is a person who was supposed to publicly you know not Say it's just so. You're just really supposed to believe in equality as a baseline. Now that's where we're at in society. Mm-hmm. You're just really supposed to not be a chauvinist out loud in public. It's just not cool. It's not a good look. He gives him an opportunity to walk it back. Yeah, Marchese brings up Joni Mitchell. A bunch of other names are thrown around, and uh, the other kind of I would say pull quote from this part of the interview is that. Jan says that none of them are philosophers of rock and roll the way the people he interviewed are, like the boys. The boys, you know, well, because only men can be geniuses. That's the other thing you have to remember. Rock and roll is for white men, and they're the only ones who understand it and can talk about it articulately. It's, I mean, Uh, the use of the word articulate also, it's just, it just feels like that's been such a, uh, that word itself, I felt like we all understood. It's a whistle of anything, especially when you're talking to about black artists as well. It's just like infuriating. He also, he just like goes out of his way to be like, no, I meant black artists aren't in my zeitgeist. Women are just not articulate. (sighs) Like it was, it's so stupid that he doesn't understand how bad this is that he like doesn't immediately go well well, uh uh, i didn't mean it like that well the one thing he says to try and like soften the blow which i think kind of made it worse was he says like well i guess i could have put a black person or a woman in there just for pr purposes he does but i didn't want to well he does that thing that like tv executives try to do all the time too or like whenever 
older people are talking about quote unquote diversity. Mm -hmm. They say shit like this where they go, well, yeah. And then of course, you know, we had to hire at least one woman or we had to hire at least one black guy just to, you know, for diversity. It's like this. It's the definition of tokenism. Yes. And he says it out loud that he's like, well, I guess I could have. Uh, done the thing that I think is the way to handle this, which is to participate in, in tokenism. He's like, well, I could have done tokenism and then I wouldn't, have, then I wouldn't have had to answer this question in this way. Yeah. It's, uh, it it's is, unbelievable how much he buries himself in this interview. Yes. Um, and again, this was like after he has already said, yes, I do let all my little buddy buddies read their um, interview, like, edit their own interviews, edit their own articles and reviews. He admits that like, yeah, okay. A notoriously bad Rolling Stones album. I forced Mick Jagger solo album. Yeah. It was a Mick Jagger. That he also uh, admits was around for the recording. And yeah, he, he pushes it to a five-star review and acknowledges that that was not okay. But he's just like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. He literally, he's like, this (laughs) is my magazine. This is, these are my guys. Yeah. Um, so obviously this is a extremely messy, uh, interview on Jan's part and there's a, uh, obvious fallout and, uh, blowback. I also just really, are, are we going to, I was just going to get into yeah. like, you know, what happened and people responding with righteous anger that is justified um, a, very, a lot of very smart people online have laid out some great responses to this. It's funny if you just Google Jan Wenner and look at all the news articles, there's just thing after thing after thing. Um, I will point out that, you know, our, our friend Ann Powers had some good tweets about uh, her frustrating time trying to write about women at Rolling Stone. And she had to deal with Jan as a editor. Mm you know, someone who was an editor uh, and that affected her writing. Uh, I thought Vernon Reed from In Living Color uh, had some tweets that were interesting. And uh, Joe Hagan himself, the guy who wrote Sticky Fingers, has has chimed in about all this. Ooh. So I, I say that because there's, there's plenty of discussion online about this, uh, you know, which makes sense. This is a guy who was... Like I said, the guiding hand at the most important music magazine uh, saying what everybody uh, kind of knew, but saying it out loud, which is that uh, he believes the most important uh, artists are white and male, and he takes them more seriously than women and black artists. And this is a guy who has been on the masthead of the, you know, paper of record of the rock magazine of record for, you know, decades. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I, and also I just, I say that to, uh, encourage people to find that, that stuff online because there's already been so much discussion. We are, we are kind of late to the, the discussion and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who lived through this, era and were a part of it, you know, as writers, as people in the music writing world when Jan was on top. And I I encourage people to seek out what they have to say, because it's, it's a little bit more meaningful for people who had to deal with it and always kind of knew this. And now, uh, he's just, uh, saying the quiet part loud as it, as it were. Um, well, I like the, uh, 
the New York Times headline for the follow-up article, uh-huh. which was Jan Wenner's Rock Hall reign lasted years. It ended in 20 minutes. Yeah. So That's let's, a good headline. It is good. So let's talk about that. This is how we can, I think, contribute to this conversation. We can kind of chime in. Um, so the Jan remarks hit what I would call major controversy level uh, three days after the interview came out. The board at the Rock Hall held an emergency meeting to eject Jan uh, from the board. And apparently, as you just uh, alluded to, it was a 20-minute meeting. And uh, it was nearly unanimous to kick him off the board. Uh, Only Wenner himself and John Landau, who was a writer at Rolling Stone under Jan, also was the uh, longtime nominating committee chair, if you want to say the person who ran the nominating committee, uh, voted no. Only two people who voted no. And then very, very quickly, Jan is off the board. Um, well, and Jan's uh, like statement that he made to the board before, mm-hmm. like that he wrote in an email was, I understand how inflammatory these words appear, but it is not how I feel in my heart, nor have acted in all my years founding and leading the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I wonder who wrote that for him. Uh, not how I feel in my heart. It's just what I said. It's not how I what feel. What I said when my guard was down. Yeah, it's not yeah. how I feel or what I have done, even though publicly I have done this. Um, so uh, a lot of publications are treating this like, you know, Rock Hall King, Jan Wenner finally dethroned. And uh, I will say... And I would think people who listen to this show regularly know that that is like not exactly the case. Mm-hmm. This is more like, it's not like the king being dethroned. It's more like uh, the guy who was swimming in the moat has finally been scooped up and thrown out of the kingdom. Uh, right? Because he, he is not as important to the Rock Hall, especially now as people think. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And so let's, let's, do some, let's do some background on Jan and his connect, connection to the Hall because... You know, like you said, it's very similar to his connection to the Rock Hall. But first, let's take a little break. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the show. We were just about to get into Jan Wenner and his background with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jan will tell you that he was uh, one of the co-founders of the Rock Hall, but uh, court records will tell you that he stole it from a guy named Bruce Brandwin. And if you want to know more about Jan and his cronies stealing the Rock Hall from Bruce Brandwin, you can listen to our interview with Bruce Brandwin. Uh, it's very in, enlightening Linked about in the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's uh, but it's a very similar position to Rolling Stone, uh, albeit less so. Uh, but Jan has had influence over this major institution that is involved in canonization. Um, from 1986 to 1991, he was the executive vice president of the board. That's in the first uh, few years of the hall. He was also a part of the nominating committee at the time. Uh, and now we can talk about what the difference is between the board and the nominating committee because I don't think people really understand. Uh, I, I don't know that I do. You you do. So the oh, no, the no, the nomcom. Yes. Oh, I know. Okay. Has a very specific purpose. And the board's job is to keep the hall running. Essentially, okay. I mean, like the nominating committee is a group of people who bring up artists that should be on the ballot. They vote and they come up with a ballot. That then goes out to the voting body. And that is so their role is very uh, much who gets into the rock hall, the nominating committee. The board is more is business. It's like if honestly, the the only thing I have to compare it to is like succession. <laughs> you know, like see, that's the only time I, I've I've seen what is likely a uh, realistic portrayal of a board. It's a bunch of old guys sitting around a table making, I think, bigger picture decisions. They are not involved in who gets into the hall. They don't sit there and go, this person should get in this year, this person. I will say, though, that the board is is pretty shadowy. I'm not entirely sure what goes on at the board. It's mostly uh, music executives, people who run the major labels. I would imagine things that they decide on is like, where should the induction ceremonies be? Uh... You know, who should be, for example, in charge of uh, different aspects, like delegating stuff, but like Mm. the big, big picture shit. Uh, I'm much more familiar with how the nominating committee works. I will say often people confuse the board and the nominating committee. Uh, From 1992 to 2006, Jan was the vice chairman of the board. During this time, he was on and off at the nominating committee. For my research, he was on the nominating committee from 86 to 89 and then 99 to 2006. Uh, but worth noting, the nominating committee met at the Rolling Stone offices during this time. So I would not be shocked if he was in the room, even if he, yeah. if he wasn't technically a member of the nominating committee specifically. And then in 2006, Ahmet Erdogan, who had been the chairman of the board since the beginning, he passes away. And this is when Jan takes over as chairman in 2006. 
Um, Oof, just, you know, one bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, turn deserves another. <laughs> throughout all of this, Jan is in many ways the face of the Rock Hall, good and bad. Mm-hmm. He used to come out and kick off the induction ceremonies with a speech. Uh, now, he wasn't the only person with influence at the Rock Hall. Like I said, there was Ahmed Erdogan, who was very uh, important in the workings of that place. Seymour Stein as well. Uh, he is. Uh, he also used to kick off the induction ceremony sometime. But Jan, you know, always the guy who likes the attention, uh, he, will, he will tell you that he's super important. Uh, and, you know, when the sex, in, sex pistols were inducted in 2006, Jan was the one who read their kind of incendiary letter mm-hmm. out loud at the ceremony. Um, and so he wants people to think he's, you know, the man. Uh, and, well, and he kind of likes being, I don't know, he likes to think that he's some kind, it, he wants to have it both ways. He wants to be mm-hmm. in the establishment of a thing that is anti-establishment. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, impossible. Um, and but positioning himself as the guy has had a lot of negative consequences uh, because he is also the Rock Hall scapegoat, has been the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. if someone has a problem with the hall, they're usually like, oh yeah, it's Jan Winner's little thing, his little pet project. Yeah, who said that? Every Is- musician who's not in goes like, oh, well, you know, Rolling Stone never liked this. So they actually, they, they have a thing and they have a very specific thing about us where we're not allowed to get in. We're like banned. We're not all, and it's just like everyone who says that eventually gets in. Yeah, I'm like, was that like a Bon Jovi or a Kiss? Bon Jovi and Kiss are two big yeah. examples of. Uh, it was always like, well, you know, Yawn said they're they're getting in over my dead body, and they're both. Didn't in. they acknowledge that? Did Kiss acknowledge that in their? Uh, I don't. I don't induction remember or something like that. I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm sure there was some acknowledgement of it, but it, there's always bands who think that Jan is so mad at them because they broke the rules or whatever. Some <laughs> some stupid thing about uh, how Jan's personal vendetta is keeping them out. And these are, again, bands that But it's get very in. interesting because we do have this... I mean, with regard to the Hall, it, he does, you know, take credit and say like, oh, yeah, it is my thing. I get to do what mm-hmm. I want with it. But but the the reality is he not doesn't anymore. Not and maybe maybe really never. I mean, there are stories of uh, when John Lennon was inducted as a solo artist, Jan uh, convinced Paul McCartney to give the speech. But there there was apparently like kind of a understanding that the following year, when Paul McCartney became eligible as a solo artist, that he would then get in. And I think Jan like kind of promised that to Paul. But the reality is Jan does not have that power and Jan was not able to get that done. And so Paul was very upset thinking that, you know, Jan played him. And so, but the reality is Jan will, it's it's exactly the Jan thing. He will tell you he has the power to do something at the hall, but the reality is not so much. I wouldn't be shocked if he brought it up in the room and everyone was like, okay, great. And then they just did whatever they were going to do. Uh, 
He was not on the nominating committee at the time. Interestingly enough, he returned to the nominating committee in 1999, which is when Paul McCartney was inducted. There you go. So, so <laughs> uh, but there's also things like if Jan Wenner truly could keep people out and put people in, like Bon Jovi would not be in and the Jay Giles band would. Yeah, that's right. Jay Giles you know has I mean? been on the ballot so many times. And he's also like, he's tight with... Mick Jones of Foreigner who are not in. So there's just like definite friends of Jan that he is not able to get in. And then again and again, we see these supposed uh, Jan blacklist artists who do get in. And so it's just when people believe that he is, you know, the puppet master and that he has a button he can press to do whatever he wants at the hall. Even when he was chairman, I do not believe that that was the case. But also, I you know I don't want to be naive. When you are the chairman of the board of a thing, you obviously have some influence. You can get things done behind the curtains. And also importantly, you can keep other things from happening as well. I mean, not mm-hmm. to say that like, you know, Kiss and Bon Jovi have a point or anything, but like you can stall things for people. Certainly. You can say, you know, not this year. You can say, oh no, I don't think that they're articulate enough or whatever about anybody. And like, you can just like plant some seeds and, and, and throw your weight around. To, for, yeah, to some extent, yeah. to an extent that we won't know because all this stuff happens behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are wrote, there were always Rolling Stone writers on the nominating committee who may or may not have an allegiance to Jan, who may, you know, a- actively work for him at the time and feel like maybe sometimes they got to do what Jan wants to do for the sake of their own safety at at their work. Who's, to, I mean, like the thing again, it's just like, who knows this all happens behind closed doors, but, uh, we can say confidently Jan does not have the, uh, um, omnipotence that people seem to think he does, but at the same rate, it's unclear how much power he could, uh, hold. So do you feel that this is more of a, like, um, a gesture than anything? Yeah, so let's let's catch up to now, right? Um, Jan resigned his position as chairman at the beginning of 2020. And, you know, we were doing our show, so we talked about it a lot. The person who is the chairman of the board now is a guy named John Sykes, an old MTV guy, an iHeartRadio guy. guy. Um, he has been in charge of the Rock Hall since 2020. They let Jan keep a seat at the board. As like a gesture, it feels like. Mm-hmm. It's very lame duck shit. Um, and so, you know, he's he's the old administration who's hanging around on the one seat on the board, which is like, I don't even know what that, what you can do. You do you know how many people are on the board? Do we know anything about the board? Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's a few dozen mostly executives on the board. When John Sykes took over from Jan, he did put a few more women and black people on the board because that was a a note of contention for people during Jan's reign. Not surprising, especially <laughs> yeah. given what we're what we're talking about now. Um Pharrell is on the board now. Mm-hmm. I think LL is on the board. Yeah, I saw that mentioned in some of the articles. Um, and yeah, so there are you know, Alan Grubman is on the board, uh, inductee from last year. 
And there's just a lot of... Uh, oh, my gosh. Alan Grubman is on the board. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> why did you have to remind me of this kind of stuff? <laughs> who's getting in this year that's, like, not a... Um, who's, like, the non-performers this year? Was, what managers I mean, are getting in? No, I mean, it's Don Cornelius, which is... Oh, that rocks. Rocks, but is Ish, pro- problematic that's right. in, its, in its own way. Boy, I've been out. Of um, the, I've been out of the game. But, you know, o- over the years... But they're not putting in another... They're not putting no in anybody's manager Nobody's or executive. executive is getting inducted this year, which is good. Very good. Um, I like that. You know, and it's funny because Jan was very vocal about thinking that the Alan Grubman induction was stupid last year, which, you know... Uh, he was? Yeah. and He's like, oh, it should have been Bruce Springsteen's well, lawyer I think or he, whatever? I think he was just... that is, Alan Grubman is Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> oh, lawyer. He? Yeah, okay. of course he is. I think he was just like, what on earth are we doing? Like, attorneys, like... The, the, the was rem- he the first attorney to get in? Yeah, and probably is going the to be first the and only last. attorney. Um, I think. I think Jan's point. Jan made some good He's points right. where he was just like this. I this is so far removed from making music that like I don't know what we're doing. And you know, Grubman is has been high up on the board at the Rock Hall forever, and that's that's what it was. But uh, Jan's position at the Rock Hall has been so diminished over over the last few years specifically that like him being removed especially given that it happened so quickly that within days of this article and a 20-minute meeting he was gone makes me strongly feel like they were looking for a way to get rid of him and this was the perfect way to do that well and now they look Yes, they can look woke. Yeah. They can look... They look uh, good in this... They look good because they acted decisively and quickly. Mm-hmm. And and then... They, and, like, this is just, like, such a, you know... There is no downside for them. No. They want him gone. And also, now he's a liability that he's yeah. on the board. Uh, even though it's, like, again, one seat on the board, not in a position of power, not a... Uh, officer on on the board and i don't mean to imply that there's nobody on the board who actually cares because i'm sure there are people i also believe you know there's a lot of people who are like jan winner who are on the board who maybe think similarly if we're Mm -hmm. talking about old ass music industry guys like might think similarly to the way jan was talking uh but you know i'm sure there are people on the board who you know, there was one guy specifically, Troy Carter, who's one of the, he's a younger guy. He was one of the, the people who was brought on after John Sykes took, so, took over. He wrote an email to Wenner that uh, they published on Hits Daily Double, which is Karen Glover's uh, publication. And it was just him being like, uh, him him saying what everybody is thinking like how how dare you say this? There's a there's a ton of uh, counterexamples to your supposed theory on yeah. all this thing, and also to call your book the masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're Rough. really asking for it. And so Troy Carter is uh, a black man, and uh, he is in a, in a powerful position in the uh, music industry, and as, as a member of the board. And I'm I'm glad that he he that we get to read his letter publicly, and I encourage everybody to look that up. Um, so yeah, I saw too. Yeah. Bernie Toppin's wife <laughs> went off and was yeah. just kind of like, Hey, you got to do something about this. We're about to come across the ocean to get honored. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. 
Um, so kudos to the hall for acting quickly. Again, I, I do feel like this was a, this was like a layup for them to get rid of a guy who's been, uh, I mean, he's kind of throwing bombs from the back of the back of the room anyway, with the public criticism of Alan Grubman. I mean, Grubman probably, uh, was at the board meeting and got to vote to get him out, which I'm sure he was very happy with. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, when people say that Jan Wenner, like, he's been dethroned, it's really, I hope this gives some context. He was, like, they were dangling him over the edge anyway and were happy for a reason to get rid of him. But, I mean, isn't the the only thing that really matters, though, the public discourse about it, like how it seems, how it feels to people? Mm -hmm. And I would say it seems and feels that, like, ah, ding dong, the king is dead. You yeah, know, like, I mean, that's a better headline, too. Yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. like, not to be like, uh, after years of diminishing <laughs> power in the Rock Hall. Yeah, no, I mean, because he was at one point the guy at the top. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, you know, with with uh, people come to our show to get that nuance about the hall. He has he has been uh, close to persona non grata there uh, and now officially can be. And so that's it. Yon's, yon, I mean, rise and fall is is correct. You know, yeah. He. Uh, but you know what? It, his legacy will live on as, uh, you know, the boomers have they did something. They made rock commercial. <laughs> I did really enjoy that part of the interview at the end where he's just like, no, no, of course, of course, Pete Townsend would say that. Like, you know, I'm an optimist. I think we actually did fix things. Yeah, putting Cadillac ads <laughs> in Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, um, but yeah, I, that, that's pretty much it. I hope the people who were uh, begging for this episode are satisfied uh, uh, obviously the comments Jan made are so like cartoonishly sexist and racist that I don't even know what more I, we can contribute. Joe, you got to go on record though. You got to say he sucks. Hey, Jan, Re Jan Winner sucks. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, what, what a fucking tool. What yeah. a dud. Uh, yeah, I, he's just... He doesn't. He There's doesn't. a lot of unforced errors in this interview. I am. I am shocked, and I'm not shocked. I'm shocked, and I'm not shocked at all. One thing I am curious is if now this is who's going to be the new scapegoat. scapegoat. Yeah, who's exactly. going to? Who's going to? This gonna... is a very public ousting. I wonder if it's public yeah. enough that now, when people don't get into the rock hall because they're not very good, they will go. You know, John Sykes never liked this. We were never an MTV. We were never band. an MTV band. Yeah. I mean, because we we're seriously hitting <laughs> the MTV era of yeah, the rock totally. hall, which is wild. Hey, speaking of, Joe and I are going to go to the ceremony. We will be at the ceremony at this point. Uh, if you remember last year, if you're keeping tally of how many tickets <laughs> I bought at this point, I have bought eight. Uh, if also, I'll just say as a little public service announcement, um, the their tickets still available at at this moment. Uh, I did the pre-sale. I got terrible tickets. And then within a few weeks, I found uh, seats that were as expensive in a much better position. So that's why I bought an additional four seats. So if um, you're in the market for four seats. <laughs> yeah, no, truly. <laughs> four not seats that I was desperate <laughs> to get rid of. Um, but yeah, you can you can get 
tickets at a decent price. Also, what I will say, I think I may do this depending on how it goes with those four seats. Hmm. Uh, maybe we'll do like maybe a raffle. Maybe we'll buy some more. <laughs> okay. Maybe, no, I, you know, I want to have 12. <laughs> no, I maybe we'll do a raffle or something. So like if people are interested in potentially getting seats uh, at less than face value, m- that this is TBD. It's just an idea I've had in my head, but I think it could be fun. That could be fun. Yeah, uh, and then we, we might be able to give this. Will, it'll be at the Barclays Center, in New York, this year. Uh, they haven't announced anything. I imagine if they continue to not sell these seats that they have available, they will start to announce who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. The one, like I would say, hundred percent sure going to be there is Elton John. Elton John, yeah. Outside of the outside of the inductees. inductees. Do you think um, that all the inductees will come? You think Kate's going to come? I don't. I, I mean, that's a big question mark. We don't know, but uh, that is a discussion for another time. I hope people uh, felt like this was worth it. We <laughs> came back for this. We yeah. are not back. We're not back with back. a capital B, uh, but felt like there was enough of a public request that <laughs> we should satisfy that. Do you think we'll cover the ceremony, Joe? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we should. I think if we're going to go, yeah, might as well. Maybe we'll do a live show. <gasps> that might be fun. These are all things that people can let us know if they, what they would like to see us do. They know that they can, that email still. Oh open, yeah. Rock, email. at gmail.com. Oh wait, let me see. Do I remember any of this stuff from the credits? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't, I don't even know if we need to say it. one of the big things is mm-hmm. that my album is coming out on oh, yeah. Friday. Big September thing to, to deal with here is the plugs. Hold on. Yeah. I'm gonna, all right, Joe, do you have anything to plug? I'm so glad you mentioned that, Kristen. Uh, my album, Funny Songs and Sketches, is out uh, Friday, September 29th. I believe you can get that most places. Uh, if you go to my social media, I have a ton of links about where you can buy it and listen to it, uh, stream it, whatever. That's at Joe Kwa, J-O-E-K-W-A on Instagram and TikTok, Joe K-J-O-K on Twitter. Um, but yeah, you can, it's five bucks. It's you know very affordable uh, and you get a lot of comedy content. I also think if you have like Apple Music or Amazon Music or whatever Deezer is, I noticed what Deezer the heck is Deezer? Is, is one of the buttons on the on the like pre-save pre. It's a, a music streaming thing. And all right, be. if you're a Deezer head, get De- out Deezers there. Deezers unite. Um, it's unclear to me if it's going to be on Spotify. That is, I'm, I'm determining that. There was oh. like a big comedy label dispute with Spotify, and a lot of comedy albums were taken off of Spotify. At this moment, I do not know what has been resolved and if my album will be on there. But again, if you go to my socials, you can find out where to listen to also, it. Also, don't stream it. Buy it. It's five it's bucks. It's five bucks. Come on. I'm giving you hours of free podcasting. Yeah, just think of it this way. You know, yeah. uh, if you miss the sound of Joe's voice peppered in with others and, you Speaking know... Speaking of others, we've got... Uh, David Cross, Andy Richter, Al Madrigal, Iowa Debris, Rachel True, Sarah Sherman and James Austin Johnson from SNL, uh, Patton Oswalt, Nick Kroll, a bunch of uh, very funny people who were very kind to lend their voices to this thing. Uh, And so it'll be a blast. And if you want to hear some of these songs a day before they're released and hear them live at a comedy show, you can check out my album release show, Thursday, September 28th at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. Get your tickets now before they go up day of the show.
get yourself some savings. I said it before. <laughs> I said it before. I don't remember. It's value. That's value. That's value. Anything guys. you would like to plug, Kristen? Certainly not. Okay, cool. I think you guys should buy Joe's album for $5. Thank you. And I think that, uh, you know, I think Jan Wenner sucks. Mm-hmm. And I can't am, say it enough. I am curious as to, you know, how it's all going to shake out. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it kind of shook out. Yeah. Right? He was sh- shook he out. He was shaken of- <laughs> out. He was shaken out. He, he's been shaken out of the... Of the hall definitively. And now, you Now know, he could just uh, sail around the world. <laughs> yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. Not um, worried don't, about him. Don't buy any of these these new Jan Winter books, please. Oh, yeah. Don't buy those, please. Yeah, please, that's stay a away big... From those. But get Joe Hagen's book. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if people, we all were not uh, at rock all pod, I guess on Instagram and Twitter. That's uh, not exactly active, but I, I, I'll post about this and stuff and that you can still reach us at those places. Rock well. pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, as always, I still, I know, can you believe after all this time, I still don't want to read the email unless you really want me to read it. Mm, and then you just mm, say it, just true. say it in the Absolutely true. Just say it in the email. Just mm-hmm. say, and please make sure Kristen sees this. Well, I want Kristen's her to know my yeah. feelings. Yeah. Um, that would be great. If you want me to know your feelings, I'm happy to, I'm happy to listen. And so, uh, yeah, th- you, thank you to Yusu Kim, who will be coming into town for this big Thursday show. Flying all the way to Los Angeles. He did uh, the music for this program. And he also does the music for... For uh, my entire album. For Joe's program. Um and uh, is a very talented fellow. Uh, thank you to Mike Lloyd, who, who did our logo. And uh, thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. Yeah. And uh, thank you, the listener. Thank you. It was nice of you to, to be like, we would like to hear you. It's like, That's oh, yeah, nice. there's people out there. Yeah, I was, I, I, I can't believe we, we reunited. Live and in person. Here we are. Never again. <laughs> All right, who I'm knows? I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Stutter. Who cares about the rock hall? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.